Welcome to a brand new NFL episode of the Bull Take Podcast. I'm Austin Wader. With me, as always, the Justin Fields stand himself. Yes, sir. The Austin Hill. Now, I know what you're thinking. Austin, the college football episode usually comes out first. Well, well, guess what? The Thursday night game is actually intriguing, especially with one team winning on this past Sunday, which makes it a little bit more intriguing, which we'll get to that in a bit. Absolutely. But before all that, Make sure and listen to our college football episode coming out tomorrow. Conference championship races are heating up. And mm. the Big Ten, Big 12, and Pac-12 specifically. Whoo! So we're gonna be we're gonna break all that down in the episode as well as some of the big games. And uh, looking at the playoff rankings too. So an episode you'll definitely want to tune in for. That'll come out uh tomorrow. But now let's get into this NFL one. And as always, our tradition at the start of the NFL episodes. Our biggest winners and losers of the week. So let's start with it, Austin. Who is your biggest winner of this past weekend? Um, I think if you watched the games this weekend, you, you you saw the biggest winner, and I think that's the Minnesota Vikings. Um, they absolutely played out of their minds down the stretch, made some crazy plays in an absolutely crazy game, and uh, you, you got to give them props. I, I know Josh Allen was a bit shaken up, but he actually ended up playing the game even with the injury. And so props to them to overcome Josh Allen, overcome a pretty talented defense, and get the job done. Yeah, uh, I'm 100% there with you, uh, pretty much everything you said. But I'll, I'll say another one, too, just since you said Vikings. Uh, I'll go Commanders for what they did on Monday night. They, sure. did, they had a great offensive game plan and figured out how to beat the Eagles, which, was, which we'll get into here in a little bit. But, yeah, uh, really good performance by them. So who is your biggest loser, though? There's a lot of good options from this yeah. past Sunday. Um, I, I think this one may be the biggest loser of them all, and I'm going to go with the Las Vegas Raiders here. Oh, man, that hurts you. I um, know that hurts it, you. It did hurt, but it, it's the right it's the right call. Um, not only to go out and just have another abysmal game, uh, another poorly coached game, um, but to lose to the Colts, who have already struggled this year, and a coach in Jeff Saturday with no uh, co- really – Legitimate coaching no college experience. or NFL experience. So, um, yeah. And just comes out there, you know, big question marks about how successful his tenure is going to be, if he's going to be the long-term solution for this team. And he goes out there and at least looks like he knows what he's doing for now, takes out the Raiders, and man, oh, man, it's got to be back to the drawing boards. I did see that the Raiders will not fire Josh McDaniels yeah. this hear, year or you, next year because they don't have yeah, the money. exactly. Exactly. That's um, a whole thing that we will get into here in a little bit because that got brought up. Yeah, 100% with you on the Raiders there. Again, I'll say another one just so we can get multiple in there. Uh, I'd probably go Denver Broncos, and I'll say for this main reason. Number one, you beat Jacksonville and thought you were back coming off the bye. You're facing a Tennessee defense that was missing. Shoot, I lost track of how many stars they were missing on defense. Almost their, almost their entire starting defense, yeah. and you only put up 10 points and lose. Yeah, I don't. I don't know what to say. That's a game where the defense only gave up seventeen. Defense did its job. It stuffed Derrick Henry and them as best they could, and offense just couldn't get it done again. As we've said over and over and over, and I could literally do that every single game for the yeah. Broncos. Uh, but uh, those are the biggest winners and losers. But now we have to get into more detail about what I think we have to agree is the game of the year so far. For oh, the absolutely. Uh, Vikings Bills. Let's get into it. 27-10 Bills were in control of this game in the third quarter. Everyone thought game was over. Vikings are frauds. We don't got to worry about them, really. They really only played two teams. Haven't gotten anything done. But then the man himself, who many, and I mean many people have bashed, including us too, 
Kirk Cousins went out there, made some big plays, and led a great comeback for the Vikings. Your your thoughts on their comeback? Yeah, it really just has been an all-around great season from Kirk Cousins, and he's just had another great game. You know, I'm not the biggest Kirk Cousins fan. I'm not going to go and turn on my words, but – uh, you know, that. he's he's playing well right now, and he's playing the way they needed him to play. And I don't know if that's a product of the new head coach um, and not being with Mike Zimmer or if he's finally just locked in and actually become the quarterback they've paid him to be. Um, Was it $94 million? Yeah, it's a lot of money. Um, so, really, I've just got to say hats off to him. He's really turned it around this year and really made fools out of people um, with their predictions and their thoughts on the Vikings this year. And really, hats off to him because they've run away with the division that was supposed to be Green Bay's. Yeah, it really was. But let's talk about another thing, though. Uh, number uh, Justin Jefferson. My yeah. my goodness. <laughs> I think that's the best way to describe but we just we know you know we're referring to that fourth and eighteen game on the line. Kirk's just like Justin Jefferson's our best receiver. I'm gonna give him a shot to make a play and makes probably the best play. I want to ask you, is that it was that catch better than the Odell catch? Um, I think so. Uh my my big uh problem with the Odell catch is how little it meant. Exactly. Um, that's that's I my think, thinking. I think it's an all time great catch, but when I think you think about catches like the helmet catch, um, even this catch from Justin Jefferson, so much more on the line. Um, I mean, you think about the helmet catch and the terrible situation that the Giants were in, and Eli Manning finds a way to get it down the field and an absolute phenomenal catch from David Tyree, who before the Super Bowl had struggled in practice to catch a ball. Um, And then you look at Justin Jefferson, he's the best player on the field for him. And you got to get him the ball. That's the guy that Kirk knows he's got to go to. And he makes an absolutely phenomenal catch that really should have been an interception when you look at it. It was in the defender's chest. Um, So I I really think when I weigh it, um, something I always like to look for in those all-time great plays is how much does it mean for a team in the game, in the moment? And I think this one means a lot for this Viking season, especially against a team like the Buffalo Bills. Definitely. So now i got to ask, with the performance by him, we'll get into the rest of the ending here in a sec, but i got to ask you, with the performance he did this past weekend, where would you rank Justin Jefferson among wide receivers in the NFL? What do, what are you thinking here? There's a lot of good options for the top one. Where do you think he ranks in there? Uh, I think top five to top ten. Uh, I'm you know obviously I'm not going through every single receiver obviously. off the top of my head, but I, I would definitely say probably borderline top five. Um, but probably I'd probably squeeze him somewhere in that top five just off the top of my head. He's he's just really been on a different level this year. I know I came into the season thinking he's good, but is he top five good and Really, he started the season hot, kind of cooled down, but he made the big plays when he needed to, and I think that deserves all the credit in the world, especially with a lot of receivers struggling to stay healthy or even perform on the field this year. Yeah, and honestly, I mean, I – I, again, I don't like to brag on myself often because I usually never get the chance because my yeah. predictions are way off. But I did pick, did think the Vikings would have a chance to be something good in the preseason. Now, again, did I think they were going to be 8-1, and go to Buffalo with a 17-point comeback win good? No, not at all. And then for Justin Jefferson, I did pick him for Offensive Player of the Year because I was interested to see how Kevin O'Connell would fit him in the offense. And he's fit in really well. Absolutely. And now we got we got to discuss the ending. So I got to ask you, how did you find out about the ending of that game? The way the from the 
uh, let's start after the Justin Jefferson catch the goal line by Minnesota and then what followed there. How did you find that? Did you watch it live? Or did uh, you see that? I wish I'd been able to watch it live, but I was at work. So I first heard about it um, to see, uh, you know, I got some texts from some friends who were watching the game while I'm at work, letting me know what's going on. And then I saw um, bits and pieces of it on Twitter. So I actually didn't get to see the thing live, but I did see bits and pieces of uh, everything that happened uh, on Twitter and heard about it through text. Yeah, my the for me, I was I was I have NFL Red Zone now. I it's just bought NFL Red Zone. That's it. So uh, mainly to watch the Steelers Saints game or Steelers games that aren't uh, on TV. Steelers got the win, by the way. Steelers going Super Bowl. Uh, but uh, I was watching the end of that because that game was over. So I was like, I'll switch over. And then when I saw the Kirk Cousins sneak, I thought, oh, you know, that's game over. So I think that was around like two or three. So I was getting ready to get some, uh, to get ready. Cause we were going to go out, uh, to eat a little early and we were going to go see, like I said, black Panther, which I brought up last week, which by the way, black Panther, really good. Really, really that's good. What I like to hear. Very, very good. But, uh, and then all of a sudden I'm getting ready and all of a sudden I hear, I, I have the TV, I'm in my room getting dressed all of a sudden I hear the balls loose. I'm like, the frick the balls loose for it. And I look, I sprint, I literally sprint back in the living room and I just see a giant pile in the end. And I'm like, no, that's that, that didn't just happen. That no, there's no. And then I see the official put up the touchdown. My, my jaw literally hit the floor. And also I will say this again, shout out pick wise. I, there was a parlay that I did on there. It didn't hit, but one of the things, one of the three things that was on there was Vikings money line. So I needed that. It was Vikings wow. money line, and that hit, and I got so high. And then the overtime, granted, the Patrick Peterson. I think we discussed that Patrick Peterson too. I believe he had two interceptions in the game, so he's really kind of having a big career turnaround in Minnesota as well. Yeah, absolutely. You know, uh, you always think about his early career in uh, Arizona was a phenomenal punt returner at the beginning of his career, and then really established himself at the top uh, cornerbacks. But then, you know, it seemed like with age, he was falling off and spent the last couple years in Minnesota. And I remember thinking, you know, I remember seeing Allen Robinson burning him uh, just, you know, last year Yeah. Um, with the Bears' terrible offense and thinking, man, it's really been a fall from grace from him. But for whatever reason, whether it's the scheme, again, whether it's the new coaching staff or the scheme, or he's just really sparked um, this team and these veterans have just found a way to really reignite their careers and really get going. So it's I, it's actually something I've enjoyed seeing because I love watching Patrick Peterson play. And so really phenomenal performance by him to remind people why he's been one of the best for a long time. Absolutely. And, Mike, and I will say, like we said earlier in the season, firing Mike Zimmer was the best decision the Vikings oh, have made in oh like the last, goodness. what, 10, 15 years probably? Yeah, for sure. Probably since they – uh, drafted Adrian Peterson was probably the best decision they made. Yeah, and and now look where they are. But now we got to talk about the opposite. We got to talk about Buffalo. At the start of the year, we we both said there's they're legit the uh, favorite to win the Super Bowl. Now, I believe this is the second loss in a row for the Bills. They're six and three. Dolphins now ahead of them in the AFC East. Uh, and I think the main thing is obvious. Uh, get Josh Allen healthy. Yeah, uh, I think that with that loss. While Josh Allen put up a good fight, we see that he's leading the NFL in interceptions at 10. Exactly. Um, I, I think a big thing is you've just got to let him rest. If the if the UCL injury is not that uh, serious, then you've got to give him some time off. I mean, you don't want this to turn into a big thing. And obviously, when he's healthy, he's able to make better throws. And 
Uh, I definitely think that that arm injury is playing into it. And I feel like, you know, they're a good team and they're in the race for the playoffs. And so I, I, I think that while they may not win the division if they let Josh Allen rest, they may drop a couple games that they don't want to. I think that their playoff chances and overall their Super Super Bowl chances survive if Josh Allen stays healthy and is able to finish out the season and play in the postseason as opposed to getting hurt and maybe missing the rest of the season. Exactly. And another thing, just their secondary's got to get healthy too. Yes. Their secondary is a disaster. That's the one flaw of this Bills team is their secondary. And that had been not worried about in the past because, well, Von Miller and them were getting pressure on the QB. You saw that kind of come into effect with Justin Jefferson this past weekend. Yeah, it, they really found ways to uh, get the ball to Justin Jefferson. And kind of what Kevin O'Connell said um, in his postgame interview, talking about, you know, they didn't really have schemes to go to. They just tried to get the ball to Justin Jefferson. Talking about that fourth and uh, 19 or whatever, uh, specifically, he was saying, you know, we didn't have a particular player, particular scheme. The idea just was just to- <laughs> get it to Justin Jefferson, and that absolutely makes sense, and especially when it, it was working, and that secondary just couldn't stop him. It absolutely was the right decision. And this is interesting. I just got a notification on my phone. Apparently, Justin Jefferson was added to the injury report with a toe injury. Ooh. Uh, he was limited today in practice. I'm sure it's nothing that will seriously affect him, but I just find it funny I got that notification right when we were talking about that. But now let us get to another game, uh, specifically the first game in Germany, Seahawks and Buccaneers. First of all, uh, the crowd at that game was phenomenal. Yes, absolutely. Singing Country Road at the end was just that was, that was, that was awesome. That was a cool thing to wake up to. Uh, with that experience, but also you have someone that wants to shout out Seattle, I believe. Uh, yeah, my uh, our good buddy and good uh, faithful listener, Trent Hetherington, wanted a good shout out to uh, a specific Seattle Seahawk, former Michigan State Spartan, yeah. Kenneth Walker <laughs> the third, and we've talked about him a little bit on here, and we did talk about him in the last episode, said maybe he's the favorite for Offensive Rookie of the Year, but we'll bring it out right now. He's had a phenomenal season this year, coming out of nowhere with the Surprise retirement from Chris Carson, and then the injuries to Rashad Penny. He's taken over that number one running back spot, and he hasn't looked back. He's been so good. He'd be my pick for Offensive Rookie of the Year right now, personally. So, shout out to him for a phenomenal season, and shout out to Trent. Thank you, man, for listening. Yeah, I mean, overall, just like we said, a phenom- like we said weeks ago, a phenomenal season for the for the Seahawks yeah. so far. I mean, six and four. I mean, if you had said beginning of the year, Seattle's going to we're ten games into the season, Seattle's going to have a winning record. I would have told you you're insane because I did not think that was going to happen. But this weekend, they faced a really good Tampa Bay defense, and that Tampa Bay defense uh, really kind of shut them down for the most part. Geno still had a pretty productive game but had a couple mistakes there. But that's what that defense for Tampa Bay does, and that shows when this defense is healthy just how lethal they can be. Yeah, it was uh, it was crazy to see the way they kind of really got it together. And it really feels like kind of what I said last week uh, when we were making our game picks for this game, actually. I thought Tampa may be starting to hit their stride after that big win against the Rams. And maybe they start to find themselves and find the answers and make Tom Brady... Uh, a scary, scary force I'm, I'm again. You, he always figures out a way to. I don't, I don't know how. But another thing I think for Tampa that was interesting, they focused on the run a lot in this one. Rash, I think it's Rashad or Rashad White. He's a rookie at Arizona State. 105 yards on the ground for Tampa in that game. So really big impact by him. And then we have to talk about the one that one pass that they number one. Why are you throwing a pass to Tom Brady? Yeah. What Byron Leftwich? What makes you think? Yeah. 44, 45. Old man. I don't care whatever age. Old man Tom Brady. Let's have him run a route one on one 
with, a, I think it was the rookie corner we talked yes, about. Yes, Tariq Woolen. What makes you think that he has a shot there? Um, <laughs> I, I like the idea of maybe having him run a route just to pull, especially if Woolen's the guy Exa- on him, yeah. pull a solid defender out on Brady. But in no, throwing it yeah, too, yeah. on no planet should the ball actually go to Brady, especially with one of the top cornerbacks in football right now, the rookie Tariq Woolen. Yeah, uh, it didn't make sense, but still that didn't affect uh, Tampa, they got the win. Now five and five, and with the Falcons' disappointing loss on Thursday to the Panthers, yeah, uh, they're back in control of the NFC South. And like I said, Tom Brady's back in the driver's seat there. It's just scary, scary thinking that Tampa's uh, on the upswing again. It is, but Seattle, I know that they lost, but they're still six and four. Uh, still a pretty good lead. Uh, still, I think they're still in first place. They're either in first or tied with the yes, Niners because I believe the Niners moved to five and four. Yeah, and they're. Or, and with the bye week, I think the Seahawks still haven't had their bye week yet. Yeah. So, uh, but no, they're they're basically head to head, and it's just going to come down to those matchups, and those are going to be some fun matchups. Really good coaches, really good players for both sides. You know, those are the matchups we may not have thought at the beginning of the year. Those might be the most intriguing matchups here in the second half of the season. Yeah, uh, really, really, really exciting. Kind of the way uh, the NFL's played out this year, especially in Seattle. Yeah, and next up, we're going to get into. Mike Austin Hanauer with the biggest loser. The Raiders losing to Jeff Saturday in his coaching debut. Again, we talked about this is without a doubt the worst loss of the season for the Raiders, and that's saying something because they threw th- they blown three seventeen point leads this year. Yeah, and this is the worst loss. Uh, I and also another thing you factor into it: Jeff Saturday's first game, also going against a Colts offense that had a brand new offense coordinator who has never called plays at the NFL level. Oh, wow. You can't tell me your defense can't get that figured out with the pieces they made with Chandler Jones against several other acquisitions as well. You're telling me you can't figure that out? When out there, it's Matt Ryan out there. It's not like you're facing uh, Andrew Luck or something. Yeah. Uh, and also, I mean, the main thing they were going to have to do was stop Jonathan Taylor. He hadn't really done anything the whole year, and he broke loose against I mean, it's just, it's just embarrassing. Yeah, uh, really – uh, you're, you're talking about it. New coach, new offensive coordinator, and a team that has been bad all year. A team that hasn't looked good. Um, and they come out and have their best game of the year. Jonathan Taylor returns to form. Matt Ryan looks like 2018. It's crazy what happened out there. And, you know, just to think, the the Raiders had a lot of people cheering for him, but I think this really comes back to Josh McDaniels again and his inability to coach an NFL team as a as the head coach. You know, I I gave I we judged it the whole offseason told him you should have kept Rich Bisacci. We told them that multiple times. Should have kept him. But whenever they hired him, I was like, you know what? I'm going to give him a chance. He hadn't been a head coach since 2010. Yep. I'll give him a chance at start. And it's like he hasn't learned at all uh, from his time in New England. But now let's get to the other topic that you brought up. And a reason, you know, they're 2-7. and seven. Why not fire him? Well, according to a report by Bill Pulaski uh, for the ESPN, he says the reason the Raiders won't fire Josh McDaniels is financial issues. They don't have the money to fire him. The team is, quote, cash poor and can't afford to fire McDaniels and then pay another coach. And they say, quote, he'll be the coach this year and next year. And also... This isn't the first time this got brought up with the Raiders. Uh, and you, it goes back to 2019 whenever uh, Chris Mortensen on ESPN said that the Raiders are, quote, cash poor. And despite a lot of cap space at the time, they couldn't sign big-name players in free agency. And Mark Davis, the owner, took Southwest Airlines to fly to Las Vegas. I mean, 
And there's also been reports in the past as well, tax issues, people saying that they aren't getting paid the amount of money. I mean, this is something that this is this is not what you see from an NFL team. You wonder if that move to Vegas really hurt them. Yeah, it seems like maybe more money came out of the pockets than they wanted. And or maybe they're just not getting the money they thought they were going to get in Vegas. And really, it is uh, it is definitely surprising to hear that you don't think about some of the richest people in the world struggling to have the money to pay for their football team. Yeah, you you really don't. And you wonder if that 2020 season ruined it for them. Because you got to think 2019 was their last year uh, in Oakland. Moved to Vegas. Can't have anyone in the stands because of COVID. You wonder how that might have played a factor uh, into how much money they got from that has continued on and now have them in this situation. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, they already basically play a road game every home game with, uh, you know, just traveling. Uh, it, it's so much more of a, you know, uh, tourist attraction to go see a Raiders game, go see your favorite team play in Las Vegas, as opposed to actually being a Vegas Raiders fan. Yeah, absolutely. And now let's get to the uh, last game that we'll discuss here. Uh, Taylor Heineke and the Washington Commanders stunned the Philadelphia Eagles on Monday Night Football. I believe they were 11 or 12-point underdogs in this game. And I give credit to Washington's coaching staff. They built a perfect game plan for it. Keep the ball away from the Eagles' offense. Absolutely. They did a great job. They got a ton of three and outs. But I think the biggest issue for the Eagles with me was they did not run the ball nearly enough in the first half, and I think that really hurt them. Um, I think they thought they were going to have a field day with the secondary. I truly think that's what the game plan was coming into that first half, that they were just going to be able to throw the ball up, and Jalen Hurts was going to have 500 passing yards. And really it came down to it. The secondary came to play uh, for the commanders, and you know what? They didn't run the ball a lot. I, I've got Miles Sanders in a bunch of fantasy leagues, and I was shocked that yeah. he only had one carry, I believe, in the first half. Um, so absolutely shocking kind of the way the Eagles played. But I think this is the kind of reality check that you need in modern-day exactly. sports. Um, I, I don't think we'll ever see another team go undefeated and win the championship in their respective sport just because – you need losses like this to remind you of your weaknesses and help you find your way along the way. So while it hurts and it doesn't look the best for the Eagles, this is definitely something that's going to help them and help right them in their path to the Super Bowl that they obviously hope to achieve this year. Yeah, I mean, obviously that's the thing. No, we like I think the biggest example I heard uh, recently, I rewatched the '85 Bears documentary on Thirty for Thirty. Really good, great documentary. documentary. Great, great documentary. documentary. And they talked about that Miami Dolphins game they lost on Monday Night Football. Is their one loss, mm-hmm. and they all talked in the locker room saying, "We know that can't, we can't let that happen in the playoffs." You know, and it's something that actually really helped us build on it and learn from those mistakes. And of course, we know what happened with them. So maybe that's something for the Eagles to learn from here. But also, I mean, we got to give credit to Washington here for the game plan. They're 5-5. Five and five. They are very much in playoff contention in the NFC. Absolutely. And really, this is a this is a big point for Washington. When Carson Wentz is back, do not put him back on the field. They actually did announce, like in, I think, like thir- 20 minutes before we got started, they have announced Heineke as the starter this week against the Texans. That's, that's absolutely the right decision. This guy, every time he starts for them. We have tried telling them yeah. all. We every time he starts, they play well. They may not always win. But they always play well. He always plays well. Carson Wentz is too much of a risk. And right now, coming off that big win, this has got to be the guy. If you want a shot at the playoffs as Washington, this is the guy that's going to take you there. 
Exactly. And, you know, we talked about it. You know, some people are saying Washington should tank for their draft picks. When in doubt, they barely missed the playoffs. Why not give Heineke a full year as a starter? Absolutely. Give and him, see what happens. Exactly. It's not It's not going to be a massive one. When in doubt, it doesn't work. Get your QB next year. But he has shown an ability to play games really closely. When in doubt, like you said, they, he may not win them all. But the commanders are always in those games whenever he's played in them. I mean, they have an offense when he plays. Exactly. You think about the Vikings game. Granted, they lost. They were up by 10 on them. The, the Vikings had just beat the Bills in Buffalo. Yeah. And then just did to the Eagles. And so, I mean, yeah, give him the shot. And gladly he's going to be the starter. So real quickly, a thing that happened uh, yesterday that got announced, Cooper Cup for the Rams heading to IR with a high ankle sprain. Now, this course means he'll only sit out four games, but still a big loss. And Matthew Stafford still in concussion protocol. I got to ask you, is the Rams season over? Um, Boy, it's tough to say that it's over. I don't want to speak too soon, but they, they've they definitely got to win some of these games. Uh during this IR period for Cooper Cup. I think if they, obviously, I think even if they lose two, it, it might be over. Yeah, I mean, you just look at the how close the NFC is right now, but I, I just don't think that leaves you much room for error once everybody's healthy and comes back. And really, it's just been a tough blow for the Rams this year post-Super Bowl. Uh, injury issues, and really, it just feels like Stafford and everybody else just not playing the way they were last it's a year, literal Super Bowl hangover, um, and it just it, it's tough to see. But it, you know, that's what happens. They kind of underestimated their division because it did look like the NFC West was theirs for the taking. Exactly, and now you're seeing the Niners playing well with Jimmy Garoppolo back at the helm. The Seahawks have come out of nowhere with Geno Smith, and they've been left by the wayside. Uh, so while I won't say it's over, I will say they are they are on uh, their last breaths. Yeah, I'm right there with you. And also, another thing, they can't just quit the season. No. Want to know why? Detroit Lions got their draft pick for the Matthew Stafford deal. So the Lions are enjoying it. While the Lions are having a bad year, yeah. they know potentially they could be looking at two top 10 draft picks, depending on how the Rams finish this year. Yeah. Uh, so that's and that's got to be, if you are a Lions fan at Trenton Hetherington, this yeah. is an exciting exactly. year for you. <laughs> exactly. And you think about it, they'll have their choice of many QBs if they have two top 10 draft picks because the QB class this year is going to be stacked. Insane. So they'll have their choice. And also, maybe to go get someone that when all the QBs are gone with the other draft pick, get one of the most talented overall players in the draft for the team. Absolutely. And now the last thing, this is one I've been waiting for you. I, I told him this before. I'm not going to tell you what the question is until right now. Basically, at the midseason point now, I'm excited. Who is your MVP right now at this point? Midseason, anybody's up for grabs. Who would you give the MVP to? Oof, it's tough. There's a couple guys I really want to give it to. I think Jalen Hurts is up there, but after this last week, I think you know, heading into an MVP voting in this situation, that may hurt him. Uh, but I, it's going to be a guy I said that I thought was the MVP a couple weeks ago, and that's Lamar Jackson. Uh, I have been. Uh, Nothing short of thrilled with the way he's played this year. Put all the contract talk behind him and basically playing for his money, showing what he's worth. And now with the way he's played and a hopeful MVP trophy at the end of this season, he will not take any less than what he deserves. <laughs> Pay the man if you're Baltimore. Um, this this has just been a phenomenal season. And you talk about storylines or something that runs these exactly. award votings. This is maybe the best storyline of them all. That's exactly. And again, you know, I don't like, I really don't 
get the chance to brag myself, but this is my exact reasoning why I picked him in the preseason. It is. And he, he has delivered on it, and I and I'm hoping the Ravens don't pay him, so he is out of the AFC North, so all I have to worry about is Joe Burrow. And then hopefully Joe Burrow goes off and the Bengals don't pay him, and then he's gone, and then Kenny Pickett's the best QB as long as Deshaun Watson just – State yeah. keeps on getting in trouble. Then, then that might—he's not going to be suspended forever. <laughs> yeah. Uh, who cares? Kenny Pickett will be better. Uh, but no, nonetheless, I, I'm right there with you. Another one I would say that kind of gets some talk too. Tua, Absolutely. you know, a guy that we talked about, we thought with these weapons could succeed. When he's played the full game, he's undefeated as a starter this year. Yeah, he's been nothing short of phenomenal. You know, you talk about a lot of guys who people wrote off so early in his career. We tried telling him. Yeah. We both tried telling him. Before how crazy. he even played. Um, you know, it, it's just crazy how, you know, forgotten he and Jalen Hurts were coming out of their exactly. draft class and how phenomenal both of those guys were in college and just forgotten about. And now they both come out and broken out this year and had good years. I, I always hate people who jump to conclusions and call people busts. I think really, biggest example for you, Justin Fields. Absolutely. After what happened last year and the start of this year, now look at him. Yeah, I mean, people were calling him a bust and calling for his head. And I was thinking, what are you talking about? Guy had a pretty good first year for being a rookie and not much around him, and he's only going to get better than he only has. Uh, I'm just not a fan of writing players off before really they exactly. finish that rookie contract. Um, you know, there's so much time to grow up and grow and develop that time as a quarterback. Um, and when you make when you draft a quarterback in the first round, you're investing in those first four or five years if you pick up the option. Um, so I think, you know, it's worth seeing if the team believes in you. With Mitchell Trubisky, while I didn't like Mitch, I did I, I didn't really want to call him a bust until he finished that contract and obviously not picking up the fifth year option. That really tells the tale right there. He wasn't worth the number two pick and he was a bust. Um, but I, I don't like writing players off so early, especially for things so stupid as a hip injury coming into the NFL that everyone already knew exactly. about. Exactly, yeah. That's my big thing with Tua. Two things. Number one, I mean, the hip injury. And also multiple injuries he had his senior year in Alabama. He was getting battered and, like I said, had to have what we thought was severe hip surgery almost. And then you add in the fact that there was COVID his rookie year yeah. in which – Practices were different. There was no preseason action for him to get involved. Yeah. Same with Jalen Hurts. Uh, obviously not injuries, but same with COVID. And him also being a backup for a bit too. So, yeah, I don't understand why people just think if a player's not immediately successful. Another big example, Josh Allen. Yeah. His first year, he was just all over the place. Second year, he could kind of see him improving, but he was still not elite. Third year, it clicked for him. And now he's one of the top QBs in the NFL. So I'm just saying, you want to make sure that they get developed, but don't just jump to a bad conclusion after a year or two. Yeah, it's just it's just not yeah, – and to me, it's just not being a good fan of the team. Exactly. Um, You know, you got to support these guys, and it doesn't build confidence for a player in a system when the entire fan base thinks he's a bust after eight games. Exactly. Biggest, I think a big example for me personally, Kenny Pickett. Some people are calling him a bust after what he's done so far. It's a rookie, rookie gotta year. Got to give him time. Got to give him time to develop. Like I, even though I had my opinions on who I wanted to get drafted, he's my QB. I'm not going to – you never never waver from your QB until, Absolutely. well, some, you never know. But now let us get into our bet of the weeks. Uh, Austin, I don't, I don't know how you did on your bets this weekend, but, you know, a few weeks ago when I said I was as cold as a water bottle in my hand, I'm, I don't know how I'm not burning up this water bottle. 5-0 and oh overall this weekend. Wow. I'm not exactly sure how well I did this weekend, but I do know that on Monday night, 
Washington cashed in. (laughs) I had them spread, and they ended up winning. You could have taken a money line, honestly. But I'm just making you money out here. We're just making money. Exactly. So what is your bet of the week for this weekend? I Uh, believe you kind of hinted at it when we were discussing. We kind of talked about it a little bit before we started recording. But uh, I got Vikings plus one and a half versus the Cowboys in Minneapolis, coming off a thrilling win against Buffalo, and the Cowboys coming off a crushing defeat to the Green Bay Packers. I really think this has all the works to be a Vikings blowout in my opinion. Um, so the fact of the matter is they shouldn't be an underdog. I'd take a money line here personally, um, but definitely plus one and a half. This, this is unbelievably disrespectful to uh, maybe the hottest team in football right now. Yeah, uh, 100% agree. And also Dallas coming off a loss to the Packers a week ago in which they did not look good in some, again, for like the millionth time, mismanagement by Mike McCarthy at the end of a game. Yeah. So Yeah, I don't understand either mine. Interesting one, it does involve your Chicago Bears. Uh, I like the Bears-Falcons over. It was at start at 50. It's gone down to 49, which makes me think about it even more. Bears are figuring out on offense. Falcons offense is very good. I don't, know, I don't know why. It's just this feeling. This has the feeling of a 24-24 game in the fourth quarter, and just like one or two drives are going to determine it, and it feels like at that point, you know, the over is going to hit. And also Atlanta – I just I feel really confident in their offense getting Cordero Patterson more involved in these weeks. Yep. Uh, I think it'll be a fun game to keep an eye on. Obviously, it won't be the main matchups everyone's watching, but I think it could be a fun game. Absolutely. And then my minor one is a backup. Uh, Eagles minus seven versus the Colts. I think the Eagles are going to kill the Colts this weekend. Absolutely. Bounce back win. I think they dominate and they sh- and they kind of show. Even though Jim Mercer, you know, he felt confident about the Jeff Saturday. We kind of see that see this the week. Truth. Yeah, we're going to see the truth. I feel like from the Eagles. But now let us get into game picks. And believe this or not, folks, overall, me and Austin Hill are currently tied at both 36 and 33. Wow. Uh, so it's it's literally neck and neck. Uh, but let's get started. We're going to talk first Titans versus Packers on Thursday night. Titans coming in, uh, feeling pretty good, winning their last couple of games, now six and three. Uh, and then the Packers coming off a big win against the Pack. Uh, I almost said the Packers coming off a big win against the Packers. Packers coming off a big win against the Cowboys, in which Aaron Rodgers said, "quote We're not dead at the end of the game." So, uh, your thoughts on the matchup? Oh, uh, I think this is an intriguing matchup. This is two teams proven that they're you know playoff worthy, playoff contenders, um, and they're not fakers. Uh, you know, obviously, when we talk about the Titans, they've got the easiest division in football right now to win. It's theirs for the taking. Um, so a lot of people doubting, you know, how good are they actually going to be when the postseason comes around? Because not much of a challenge this regular season as far as winning the division. And then with the Packers, really just been a bad start to the season. And with every loss, the Vikings get further and further uh, away with that big lead in the NFC North. So, you know, trying to prove that maybe they can come back and win this division, but more importantly, they can take a wild card spot and make some noise in the playoffs. Um But I I really like Tennessee in this game. I think uh, with Ryan Tannehill back, they're really starting to look good. And uh, I don't know that you're going to get another three-touchdown game out of Christian Watson anytime soon for Green Bay. Uh, Yeah, I'm right there with you. Although the spread on this one, plus I wouldn't take spread on this game because I think it's going to be really close and should be a really good matchup overall. Uh, The over-unders at 41, I don't know how to feel about that one. That feels like that's feels like it that's should a trap yeah that's a trap uh, but no it should be a good matchup I'm very interested to see how well the Packers defense which we hyped up in the preseason with how good they are how well they stopped Derrick Henry I mean 
That's what it comes down to with the yeah. Titans. You stop Derrick Henry, you stop their offense. Especially missing Rashawn Gary now with the ACL injury. Exactly. So I'm interested to see how they respond to that. And Aaron Rodgers obviously said, you're not dead. Here's your chance to prove, prove you're it. not dead. Uh, so the next game up, another one. This one, an AFC East matchup. Jets versus Patriots. Both teams above 500. The Jets with a win here. Very much in contention for the AFC East uh, lead. And the Patriots trying to stay above 500. In New England, we saw how the first matchup went. How do you see this one playing out? Oh, man. It's going to be a thrilling matchup, really. I, I think that these two teams are, you know, really just playing football. And right now, the Jets are really exciting, I think. Um, ultimately... Uh, I think the Jets have really started to find their stride here. Um, you know, we still talk about the Patriots and their inconsistencies. Uh, you know, I believe they're coming off their bye um, and a win before that. So, you know, the kind of the right um, right spot of the season to kind of find your groove. Um, so I really, but I really like the Jets here. Um, the Jets are young and they've been exciting this season and you know right there with the bills and the dolphins at the top of the vision i think that's enough to spark this young team get some confidence get a win and really start to challenge for the top of the division okay uh i'm actually going to disagree with you here mainly because okay. i think it's in it's in foxborough i think about the way the patriots defense has played overall this year and i look at back at what they did against zach wilson obviously there will be adjustments obviously yes, obviously but i also think about the pressure they put on these teams these past couple weeks when it came to their defense uh obviously it's going to come down to mac jones and the offense and how well they uh play but i think at home and bill belichick just seems to have really good games against the jets i don't yeah. know how he always seems to do it so i'm going to give a slight edge to them at home and also this makes this afc's even more interesting if the Patriots win because every team's two games above 500 at least. Wow. So next up, we have, uh, my opinion, the best game of the weekend. Uh, Cowboys versus Vikings. Cowboys coming off the loss of the Packers. Vikings played the game of the year. It's in Minneapolis. Well, how do you see this one playing out? Um. Well, we got my opinion during obviously, the bet of the week. Obviously. But uh, yeah, I got the Vikings. Like I said, uh, I think everything goes for them. Game of the year thrilling win against the Buffalo Bills. A lot of people think the Super Bowl favorite coming into the season. Um, and then you got Dallas just playing an abysmal game against Green Bay, giving up three touchdowns to the rookie Christian Watson. Uh, really, things just didn't go their way. And I don't see this as a bounce-back week. I mean, I think they're going to fight back, and I think this will be a, a good game. Um, but at the end of the day, right now, it just seems like the Vikings have that X factor right now, and they just get it done at the end of games. You know, I, I originally before I saw the spread, I was tempted to consider Cowboys because it would have been because I thought Vikings were going to be decently heavy favorites. And I'd say, you know, something to keep an eye on with the Cowboys. You know, think they'll hang around in this game, and I still think they can hang around. Yes, for sure. But I do think Minnesota come back to back comeback wins on the road, nonetheless. I think really show the strength of this team. So I'm right with you. I got to go Vikings here. And then the game that kicked the Steelers and Bengals off of Sunday Night Football. Can't say I blame them. Uh, Chargers or Chiefs versus Chargers. AFC West, really only two teams competing for the AFC West. Chargers just trying to fight to stay in the playoff hunt right now. Chiefs looking to pull away even more in the AFC West. How do you see this one going? Uh, I really like Kansas City in this one. Uh, I think the Chargers have really kind of hit a cold spot. Um, you know, Justin Herbert seems to be struggling a little bit this year. Obviously, injuries to the receiving core, having your top two wide receivers out, certainly doesn't help you. Um, but it, it really just has been a struggle for them. And, 
you look at that uh, drive they had to win or tie the game uh, against the 49ers to end Sunday night football this past week. Um, and, you know, a, a bad, bad interception from Justin Herbert to end the game. Um, I, I really hope to see Justin Herbert and the Chargers turn it around at some point in the season because they can be an exciting and loud team in the playoffs. But I, I think Kansas City's got all the makings of a win in this one. Exactly. Uh, I think this will be really close. I think it's going to be a really good game. Kind of like last week for yeah, the Chargers. Exactly. I think it will be a really close – I actually think this could be a very low-scoring game compared yeah. to the first one where we thought shootout. I could see this one honestly being a low-scoring matchup. Obviously not like super low-scoring, but... Lower than you'd expect. Exactly. Uh, but I'm right with you. I'm going Chiefs right now. I think they, they're still on a roll right now. And honestly, I would consider them the top team in the AFC right now. For sure. But that is going to wrap up this NFL episode. Like I said, tomorrow, college football episode. Make sure and give that a listen. But for now, that is Austin Hill. I'm Austin Waiter, and we want to thank you for listening.